0: Everybody doing all right? It's thank you for being here on a Labor Day weekend to worship Jesus and be in his presence with his family. Uh, This is an amazing time to be a Christian. It's an amazing time to be alive because there are lots of opportunities to be salt and light in the world. How many of you know that? That There is something that we can do right here, right now, even taking what we receive from Jesus this morning, that presence that we experience in this place, and carrying it out to the world to those who are in need. Uh, As much as as we know, come on, we're in this place today, sometimes the boom is good because it's like my God voice, like it gets people's attention, thus saith the Lord. We're good? All right. I have no idea what I was talking about. We're salt and light. I remember that part. Where else was I going? We're carriers. Oh, I was going to say, we're in this room together today, and as we're worshiping, we're aware and cognizant of the fact that there are people that need the breath of Jesus in their life. In this room... There's some of us that are going through situations that we needed that touch from Jesus this morning. We needed to be in his his presence. And if that's true of us as Christians here in this room, people that have prioritized gathering together with Jesus' family on Labor Day weekend, if that's true of us, how much more out in the world? Are there people that are just struggling and they need to see a breath of life? They need some hope to break through into their circumstance. So I just encourage you, wherever you're gathering this weekend, whatever you're doing tomorrow, whatever you're doing the rest of this week, remember the presence of Jesus in this place this morning and give it away to somebody else. Be a carrier of that hope that we were talking about, that breath of life that we are singing about. Let the atmosphere be changed by what we carry when we go to those places. That's not in my notes at all, but we need that. How many of you know that? Um, I want to start a new series today and, and look a little bit about what Jesus did for us. And uh, as I was thinking about this uh, message, I was thinking back over my life of some of the gifts I've received. Maybe can, can you even picture that? I had a struggle doing this. What's the best gift you've ever gotten? Like, like I had, <laughs> that's the church answer. Who said that over there? Yeah. <laughs> That is the church Sunday school answer, and I will get there eventually, but I'm talking about like regular, like natural gifts even. What's the best gift you ever received? I had, I had to think about things over my life, and for some reason, uh, one of the pictures that popped into my head was my dad bought me a bass guitar one time. Yeah. We, I, I came back to Pittsburgh. We were playing music. We were doing worship. We were going out and playing music three or four nights a week when we were living in Virginia, and dad knew this, and and we had come to Pittsburgh, and uh, one of the things we did is for just hanging out sometimes, Dad and I went to music stores. We we'd just looked at guitars, and we played with the stuff in there, and, and talked about how cool the instruments were. And there was this bass at Hollywood's in McKee's Rocks. That's one of the stores we went to. And I remember playing, I'm like, oh, this is so sweet, but I could never afford this. And it was like I was playing this old starter bass that, uh, anyway... <laughs> neither here nor there for people who aren't musical. You have no idea about that. But my dad, like three weeks later, they came to see us in Virginia and he gets out of the car and he's got this bass guitar with him. He went back to that store and bought it. After I left, after we went back to Virginia, we'd been there together. uh, He went back and said, just because you're my son. I love you. I want to see you use your gifts and worship Jesus. He bought me this guitar and it was so awesome. So that was, that was one of the pictures that came back in my mind when I was thinking about what are the best gifts we've ever received. And, and when you think about the best gift you've ever gotten from somebody, what made it so great? Is was it, it practical? Was it something you could use every day? Was it something fun? Maybe it had, had no practical purpose at all. It was just fun. Like, yeah, this is awesome. I, I don't know how much you spent on this, but this is fantastic. Maybe that was it. Was it something valuable? Maybe that's what made it so great. Was it, was it because of how special the person was that gave it to you? Maybe that's what made it a great gift. Was there a lot of thought that they put into it? Maybe it was something you asked for, or maybe it was just something completely unexpected. You had no idea it was coming. I had no idea that was coming. Maybe, maybe it's one of those gifts. How many of you have ever gotten the gift that keeps on giving? How many of you know that's a real thing? You, you continue to find out other uses and other things that make it valuable, that make you important. Uh, some of the best gifts are those kind of gifts that you keep discovering new things about, that they keep on giving. And every single one of those things that could qualify something as a best gift in your life. Is it fun? Is it valuable? Was it well thought out? Was it expected or not? All of those things that we just thought about can really describe and be said about what Jesus did for us. Thank you. There, I got there, Jane. Come on, think about that for a second. The greatest gift that was ever given in all of eternity was when Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to walk on this earth. He lived a sinless life. He died for us on the cross. He suffered and then he rose again. That is the greatest gift that was ever given. And if you really think about it, and you, we're going to start to unpack it, if you really think about it, you can say all of those things about it. Man, the person that gave that gift to me is so special. Come on, it, it's, it's more valuable than you could ever imagine. Sometimes it's just fun. How many of you know the Christian life is supposed to be fun? If, if we walk around as Christians looking like we're sucking on lemons all the time, nobody wants to be a Christian. The people in the world see with your, I'm suffering for Jesus. Come on. The, part of the Christian life is we should be enjoying it, and that should be something attractive to the people around us. All those things that we said that make a great gift can be said about what Jesus did for us. Think about Jesus stepping out of eternity. man as awesome as it is to be here in eternity in heaven, the angels are around and everything happens just like that. When I speak it, it comes to pass. He said, I want to leave this place to go there because I love you so much. Think about that for a second. What Jesus did for us really is the gift that keeps on giving. And I'm, I'm hoping if you're in this place today, you've Encounter Jesus in some way or fashion. If you haven't, this is a great day to get to know him and begin that journey. But what Jesus did for us, how many of you know it was not a one time event to be just received and then put on your shelf like one of the gifts that you get and you never use again? Come on. What Jesus did for us started a life that continues to produce every day. And there's more things that we discover about Jesus if we're willing to see it. Uh, Can I say it this way? If we think that the only reason Jesus came was so that we could go to heaven after we die, we've missed a huge part of the gift. Yeah. Come on, there's that, I'm not trying to take heaven away from anybody. It'll be awesome. I believe people that leave this life, they step into glory, they see Him face to face, they're in an awesome place. But the point of Jesus coming was not just so you could go there when you die. If you remember John 10, Jesus talked about, I came so that they could have life, yes. abundant life. Come on, he didn't say, I came so that you could have abundant afterlife. I mean, sometimes, isn't that what we try when we're witnessing to people? Jesus came so you could have abundant afterlife. Like, what's that do right now? Like, Jesus literally said, I came so you could have life a better and more enjoyable and a more fantastic, adventurous life. And that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean it's always smooth sailing. That doesn't even mean that there's not suffering around us sometimes that impacts us. But it is an abundant life walking with him. And that's what he came to give us. The moment you come to know Jesus, eternal life starts in that second. It's, it's not something that's going to be later that you'll get to experience. You get to start experiencing life with Jesus right in that moment. Jesus died so that we could live. Come on, I, I, I can't say that phrase without thinking about Shawshank Redemption. Morgan Freeman saying, get busy living or get busy dying. Like, like Jesus came to do the dying so we could do the living. That's what he was after. I came and laid my life down so you could experience some of the quality of eternal life that I have to give and to release to you. Uh, In that same passage where Jesus talked about abundant life in John 10, he actually told his disciples the Son of Man came so that the good shepherd could lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus really did know there's something about what I want to give you that requires me to die, to lay down my life. It, that's kind of the, the hard part to wrap our mind around in the gift that Jesus give us, gave us in talking about what he released into our lives. His suffering and his death are central to it. There is no doubt that one of the primary reasons that Jesus came to earth was to go to the cross. Here's a verse uh, in John 12, verse 27. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He's actually talking about his impending suffering and death. And he told them, he says, now my heart is troubled. Everybody say troubled. Come on, sometimes we think our hearts get troubled, right? By what we're going through in life. And I'm pretty sure none of us have the redemption of all of creation hanging on what we decide to do next. Come on, think about somebody that really had something weighing on him. And Jesus said he was feeling it. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Shall I say, Father, do not let this hour come upon me. But this is why I came, so that I might go through this hour of suffering. Come on, we we think life is hard. And there's Jesus knowing this. all of creation is waiting for this moment. Sometimes we just need to get a little perspective on what we're going through in our lives. Jesus felt the weight of what he was about to go through. And as awful as it was of what was coming up, compared to the reward and compared to what was on the other side of it, Jesus called it an hour of suffering. Pretty sure he suffered for more than 60 minutes, right? right? Right. Some of you are sitting through my messages sometimes (laughs) thinking this hour of suffering is upon us. Come on, it was way more than 60 minutes, but in the scope of eternity and what the prize was when Jesus looked at the joy that was set before him, he was able to look at this entire experience, the suffering, the beating, the desertion by his friends hanging on the cross and dying as his blood ran out of his body. He was able to look at that whole experience and say, I came to go through this hour of suffering. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's weighing on my heart right now. But what I came to give you is worth what I'm going to go through. Wow, that's humbling. And as awful as it was, he did it because he loved us so much. I think some, sometimes the intention of the gift is just as powerful as the gift itself. Come on, when somebody gives you a gift, you're like, wow, why did you do that? You, you were thinking of me, like, that's amazing. Sometimes that's just as powerful as what we received. And he came. He knew This is why I was born. I came for this moment, and he was resolute in what he was born to do. I'm just going to tell us this morning, if you know that God has asked you to do something, embrace it no matter what the difficulties or the costs look like. Because that's part of being like Jesus. Jesus knew, hey, the Father has asked me to do this, and it's for all of you, and I'm going to do it no matter the suffering, no matter the cost. Come on, can we just be honest in church? How many of you have ever felt like Jesus asked you to do something that was hard? Like, like sometimes we, we preach the gospel to people and we're like, hey, Jesus will be wonderful. We'll be your best friend and he'll never ask you to do anything that's difficult. He asks us to do stuff that's hard all the time. But he's with us and he gives us the grace to do it. He empowers us. Jesus never, well, let me say it this way. He always asks me for stuff that I can't do in my own strength. And all that does is make me lean into him more right. Right. and say, man, I know I can do this because you're with me. You, you're, he's so amazing. Not only does he ask you to do stuff you can't do, he gives you the power to do it. Right. So he knew what he was called to do. And I think there's things we know we're called to do and we need to just say yes and do it. But what happened is Jesus's work on the cross, it began to produce something in us. The moment it happened, it was a gift given before we even knew we needed it. Come on, how many of you were born when Jesus walked on the earth? Nobody in the room's that old, right? There are some people you get the older than dirt title or you, you kids are like, you were born when? Like, oh man, I am, I am a child of the 60s. Doesn't that sound crazy to say? Like, I saw, I saw a thing the other day that said, right now, 2021, we're as far away from 1980 as 1980 was from 1939. That made me feel weird when I read it. So I'm sorry if that made you feel weird, but Jesus did what he did and gave me a gift before I was ever born. Talk about foresight and knowing, hey, my, I see through eternity. I see my people. I, I can see Chris all the way from here 2,000 years ago. and I love you so much. Jesus is the best gift giver ever. He gave it before we even needed it, before we were even born. And uh, better than any natural gift we've ever received, any of those things that we thought about and talked about earlier, what Jesus did for us goes way beyond that. And uh, the gift, it's almost weird to say it, isn't it, to to think about calling the cross a gift, the the gift of the cross. And it really doesn't make sense to the world because people look at it and be like, what do you mean, like, the suffering, the dying? What's that whole thing about with the cross? It doesn't make sense to the world, but this is what 1 Corinthians tells us. Uh, in verse eight, 18 of chapter 1, it says, The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Destruction simply means those who are dying, who have no life. Come on, how many of you know somebody that has no life? If they don't know Jesus, they may be living, they may be even enjoying some things, but there is no quality of eternal life flowing through them. They're headed for destruction, and they need somebody to come and tell them how much Jesus loved them, because we know that the cross is a source of power. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, power. Just because P words are fun to say, power. Like, woo! that's awesome. There is power in the cross. And the moment we encounter the cross, power begins to flow in our lives. It's not a one-time event. It's power that keeps producing. There is something about what the cross did that started that flow. And if we yield to it, if we're walking with him, if we know Jesus, we see it and experience it, and it begins to flow in our lives. I believe the cross of Jesus empowered every promise that he ever made in the Bible. There was something about, hey, there's all this potential. There's these promises hanging out there. There's these things I've spoken. There's these things I want to give to you and produce in your life. And the cross empowered every single one of those promises. His blood was enough to say, hey, this, this, I did it. I gave it to you. I started the flow of power in your life. And that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. We're going to look at what was it that Jesus came to do? What did the cross release to us? Because I think we're all like... We think about why did Jesus come, and you're like, oh, the cross, and he saved me. Like, There's a whole bunch more that we don't think about sometimes that he produced in us. And so we're going to look at that over the next few weeks. And the, the first thing I want to look at today, and we'll, we won't spend a ton of time on this, but I want to look at a story where Jesus talked about what the cross, what he came to do in our lives, and he said it during a conversation with a notorious sinner. How many of you know some notorious sinners? I didn't say anybody in this room. like Outside of church, we know some notorious sinners. Uh, Jesus was walking through the town of Jericho, and he saw this guy that was a chief tax collector. And in that day, tax collectors were hated even more than they are today. Tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. The Jewish people looked at them like, you are the scum of the earth. We hate you. This guy was a chief tax collector. He was like the boss. He was like the guy at the end of the level in Super Mario. He was the big boss. He was the one that was more evil than all the rest of the people and, and dishonest and robbed people and stole and, and lied to them. And his name, you may have heard of him. His name was Zacchaeus. And everybody who grew up in Sunday school, where did your mind just go? He was a wee little man. <laughs> and a wee little man was he. If, if you didn't have a Sunday school background that taught you that song, it's okay. Mrs. Mack will sing it for you after church if you, want, <laughs> if you want to hear that. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was one that they hated more than the regular tax collectors. And interestingly, if you study it out, Zacchaeus' name actually means clean, pure, and innocent. How about that? For a dichotomy of who you are and what your name means. He was clean, pure, and innocent, and he was hated more than anybody else. But he heard that Jesus was coming through his town, and it stirred something in him that says, I have to go see him. I've got to see this guy that I've been hearing about. And I believe that's what happens when we get in the presence of Jesus, or we get around places where we know he is. There's something that's awakened in us that says, I want to live up to who he's called me to be. And there's, there's a yearning in us that, Lord Jesus, I know who you see me as, and that's what I want to be when I know you're going to be around. There's something empowering that comes to us. And uh, I think that's what happens. That's, that's why we make a big deal about worship and, and times when we can encounter the presence of Jesus because it makes us want to be who we really are, who he's called us to be. That's one of the reasons we gather together because he's going to be here, and that feeling gets awakened in us. But there was a huge crowd surrounding Jesus as he's walking down the road. And as, as I already alluded to, Zacchaeus was short. That's what it meant. He was a wee little guy. He was small in stature. He couldn't see over the crowd. So just picture this. He's running along doing that number, like trying to see over everybody. And he can't see Jesus walking down the street. There's too many people pressing around him. And he couldn't. What that speaks to me is he couldn't produce his own salvation. I can't get to Jesus in my own strength based on who I am. And he's walking along. I can't see him. I can't see him. I think that's proof that salvation really is a gift from God. It's not something we can produce. It's not something we can earn. It is a gift that comes by grace from him. And so Zacchaeus, because he was small, what did he do? He climbed up in a sycamore tree. That's the next verse of the song. Mrs. Max refreshing herself right now. (laughs) Singing auditions after service. He climbed up in a tree so that he could see Jesus. And I think part of what got Jesus' attention about that is I think that was a very childlike thing to do. That just struck me, reading the story of Zacchaeus. That's what the little kids would do. I want to see. I'm going to go climb that tree. We climb trees for fun. That's what they did. And I think Zacchaeus, there was something childlike about his response to say, I'm going to climb up in this tree so I can see Jesus. And Jesus went right to the spot where he knew Zacchaeus was going to be. In Luke chapter 19, verse 5, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. That's so cool. Jesus saying, I have to come to your place today. And Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And we read that story. It just says Jesus was passing through Jericho. Where was Jesus on his way to? Here's Here's what I think is the answer. Jesus was on his way to that spot. I think he knew here is an encounter that's going to change somebody's life, that's going to transform people. And it says when Jesus came to that spot, he looked up at him and said, come down, I have to go to your house today. And what looked like a random journey had intentionality about it. Jesus knew exactly why he was going there and what he wanted to do in Zacchaeus' life. And I think there are that spot in all of our lives. There is a place where we need Jesus to look at us and say, quit trying to do that in your own strength come, come down out of there. I just want to be with you. Yeah. I, I just want to have a relationship with you. I want to, I want you to get to know me. And I, I know you intimately already. And Jesus went to that spot in Zacchaeus' life. And I think he comes to that spot in each and every one of our lives. And Jesus said, come down, quit trying to do that stuff in your own strength. I want to stay at your house. Just let me in. You don't have to run home first and clean it up. You don't have to go make sure everything's put away and the dishes are washed. You don't have to go home and hide everything that you'd be embarrassed about Jesus seeing when he came to your house. We're in church on Sunday morning. Nobody has anything like that at their house. Come on. He just said, I'm going to go to your house today, as is. As you are, as your house is, I just want to be with you. And I think our response should be just the same as Zacchaeus. It said Zacchaeus was full of joy. Yeah, yes, Lord, this is what I wanted. This was what was in my heart. This was my desire from the moment my parents named me clean, pure, and innocent. I just wanted the Savior of the world to notice me and say, hey, I want to be with you. And he came down out of the tree. And this, this is what happens, Zacchaeus. He comes down out of the tree, and he's so moved by this encounter with Jesus that he says, look, Lord, here and now, I'm going to give half my possessions away to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay them back four times what I've cheated them from. Come on, how many of you know that's real transformation when it starts messing with your money? Right. Come on. is right. very similar throughout history. There is something about transformation that causes people to be generous and begin to give things away and have that spirit in them. Uh, we, were, we were in Mexico one time, and, and we prayed for this lady. I won't tell you the whole story. You can ask me later about it if you want to. She got a pretty amazing deliverance and healing. Got up out of her bed where she'd been crippled and laid up, and she's like so happy. She's like, oh, you have to come to my house with me. You have to come and, and see what's going on. And she starts giving us stuff. She's giving us coconuts and, and fruit and all this other stuff. We got our arms full. Like we go back to this little church and, and the pastor sees us. He's, you know, They were working on a construction project and we went to visit this lady and pray for her. And the pastor's like, what is going on? Why do you have all this stuff? And I said, this lady got healed and she just started giving us stuff. And here comes the lady down the road waving money. And she tells the pastor, pastor, I want to pay for the new metal shingles that need to go on the top of the roof, the tin sheets they were putting on there. She's like, I want to give and pay for the money for the roof. And the pastor looks at me and the interpreter and he's like, what did you do to her? Like, (laughs) this is not who she normally is. He, He says, she's very like, He basically told us she was stingy and tight. Like, she doesn't do this ever. And here she is waving her money like, I want to give. And it's something about encounters with Jesus transform us, fill us with joy, but it also starts making us generous to the people around us. And that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus. And I think there's encounters with Jesus that produce evidence on the outside that everybody else around us can see. And Jesus knew the sincerity of his heart. And when Jesus saw Zacchaeus saying, I want to give, I want to restore, Jesus said, hey, today salvation has come to this house. There is something that transformed this guy's life, that he is saved and salvation is going to continue to produce transformation in him. And why could Jesus say that? That's where I want to get to today. This is, this is the point of why Jesus came and what the cross released, what was part of the gift that he came to give us. Luke 19.10, right after that encounter with Zacchaeus, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. How many of you can say, thank you, Jesus, for finding lost things? You know, sometimes lost things know they're lost, and sometimes they have no clue that they're lost. This is just like husbands driving, right? Sometimes they know they're lost, and sometimes they have no clue they're lost. I remember my dad wandering off in the grocery store. Like, we go in the store with the three of us, my mom and dad and I, and then like five minutes in the store, mom's like, where'd your dad go? And then you find him, and you're like, hey, were you lost? And he's like, no, I I knew right where I was. (laughs) I was here the whole time. Like, sometimes lost things don't know they're lost, but sometimes they're very aware of it. I think that's just like people. There are people running around in the world today that have no clue that they're lost. They have no clue that life isn't supposed to be a series of random events that just continues to batter them. And then there are some people that are very aware they're lost. They may be even running the other way or hostile about it. But Jesus's intention, part of the gift and part of why he came was to seek and to save that which was lost. And I don't know, it it could be a whole person. It could be just a part of their lives. It could be a part of our lives. There may be something in our life right now that we're sitting in this room thinking, I got a space in my life that is lost. Like I have no idea how to restore that, how to find it, how to get it back to being not broken the way it is. And I think Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And it wasn't just a one-time event. He continues to save that which is lost in our lives. It starts the day we meet him, but it continues to produce. Salvation isn't just about going to heaven one day. It's about a life that he gives us and releases to us right now. And I'm just, I'm just gonna ask you to think about that with me for a second. Is there an area of our lives that feels lost right now? Or maybe you're, as soon as we're talking about this, somebody's name or face popped into your head and you're thinking, man, they really need an encounter with Jesus because they're going through it right now. And I believe Jesus is standing at the bottom of that tree in our lives saying, hey, come down from there. Quit quit trying to make that happen in your own strength. Just spend some time with me first. How many of you know that is the best solution to the problem? There There may be specific and practical things that Jesus tells you to do later, but the start of the solution is just spend some time with him. Just invite him into wherever that space is. Just say, Jesus, I need you right now. And he's so faithful that he comes and he meets with us. He comforts us. He gives us exactly what we need in that moment, which may not be the same as what we think we need in the moment. Come on. I've, I've experienced that with Jesus in my own life. I'm thinking I'm asking for this, and he comes and gives this. And it does something far more valuable in my life. So that's a, it's a funny action item this week, but I feel like there's some people that need to hear it. And maybe you can tell this to some people in your life this week and explain it to them. But I think the action item is come down. Come down out of that tree. Stop trying to produce it in your own strength. Just take some time to be with Jesus and see what he wants to speak to your heart. Ta- tomorrow's, tomorrow's Labor Day, I, I like to think of it in my own cheesy dad pastoral humor as cease from your Labor Days. Uh, ha, ha ha. Yeah. See what I did there. Jesus really did come so that we could stop striving, so that we could just be with him and see our lives transformed. And I think tomorrow is a good opportunity just to tell somebody, hey, there was a time I was trying to do stuff in my own strength and Jesus came and saved me from it. He came and came to seek and to save what was lost. It was me. It was this part of my life. It was whatever was going on. Tomorrow is a great day to gather with people just casually. You don't have to get your boomy religious voice with your mic that feeds back on. You don't, have to, you don't have to tell them, well, God said this to me. Just have a conversation with somebody and say, this is how good God is. And this is what he did in my life. Let's go ahead and stand together in this place. If, if you're here in person or you're watching online somewhere and you... Never start a relationship with Jesus. I can tell you, he's standing at the bottom of your tree today saying, come on down. I want to meet you. I want to know you. And uh, it really is simple as, as saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. I want to receive that gift of salvation and let it start producing eternal life in me. If you need to do that today, uh, I encourage you make that real with Jesus. You can come up the front. We'd be happy to pray with you. There'll be some people up here to pray. But uh, I just believe Jesus loves to meet us and start life. He, He really can forgive our past and redeem our future and walk with us the rest of our lives. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. Let's pray together. God, I... I come before you right now and I just uh, lift up all of the things that we've thought about this morning as we worshiped, as we've been praying, as we received communion, uh, the things in our lives that you stirred us with, or maybe the things in our lives uh, that we've been worried about that have been in that nagging place in our mind, not letting go of us. I just ask right now that you would give us the grace to release those things to you, (laughs) that we would climb down out of that tree where we tried to make something happen in our own strength. And that we, we would just take the time and start by being with you, saying, Lord Jesus, what do you want to do in this situation? How are you going to seek and save what was lost in this moment? And Lord, I thank you that you speak to our hearts, that you give us your wisdom from heaven, and that you give us your peace to walk through every circumstance. Lord, I ask for your blessing to be upon us. Even as we leave this moment, we go to the plans that we've had for this weekend, whether it's seeing friends, family, whether we might be alone or whether we got to work. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I know that whatever plans are next for us today and tomorrow, you're going to be right there with us, that you're going to walk with us through those circumstances and that you're going to be present. Lord, we thank you for your help and your life that flows through us. Lord, bless your people right now. Just thank you for your goodness and your mercy that follows after us, that fills our lives and overflows to others. Use us, Lord Jesus, to make your name famous in this region. We just honor you now. We say we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.